I got to thinking just a little bit about how things we say can be misunderstood or later there are those moments in life when somebody says somebody said something and if you say that they said it enough, it kind of becomes truth that it really did happen. So these are some things that most men will probably never say, but there may be some ladies that say they should say these things. This is just a short list. Uh, you will probably never ha have a man say, I have nothing to wear. Now, I have never heard a man say that, but who knows? You will probably never hear a man say, let's watch a chick flick. Now, I have on one or two occasions said to my wife, yes, we can go watch that movie because I know that if I go do that, I'll get to watch what I want to watch. But I've never really said, let's go watch a chick flick. All right, this one made me laugh more than anything. Let's put a sweater on the dog and take some pictures. Um, I, I hope that never happens. I hope that I will never hear a man say or even think about this one. I'm addicted to Pinterest. <laughs> or maybe the last one, what color do you think would make this room just pop? So there you go. So that was just a little fun before we dive into a very serious subject today. And this is the, this is the topic today. Jesus never said everyone goes to heaven. There, there are people that believe that. There are people that have said, everybody's going to heaven. That's not what Jesus said. So I lived, did a little research. Pew Research did this. They, they did this last year. 39% uh, of people in the United States believe that if you don't believe in God, you're going to heaven. That's interesting. 39% of Americans say, if you don't believe in God, you're going to heaven when you die. And they also found <clears throat> that 27% of Americans don't even believe there is a heaven. Now, on the flip side of this discussion, 58% of, and I'm going to put this in my little air quotes, 58% of Christians believe that most religions can lead to eternity in heaven. Now, 58%. And of those that were polled, Catholics, 72% of Catholics believe that all religions lead to heaven. Mainline Christian denominations, that would be Episcopalian, Methodist, Lutheran, um, and so forth. 72% of them believe all religions lead to heaven. We got a problem because Jesus never said that. And that's what I want us to think about today. Next week, we're going to think about a different thing that Jesus never said. But today, we're starting at probably the most important of all of the things that people say Jesus did say, but he never did say. But Jesus never said everybody goes to heaven. Here's the reality, and we all know this. We have our birth date, we're living our dash, and there is a date somewhere in our future where we will breathe our last. And when that moment happens, you need to be prepared, just as I am prepared, 
to meet our maker. We will meet our maker. And when we meet our maker, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to spend eternity in paradise, then you need to make sure you've settled that. There are others who say, well, there's not even a hell. Listen, there is a hell. You either live in eternity in heaven or you spend eternity in hell separated from God for all. I mean, it never ends. And hell is not a pleasant place. So what did Jesus say in Matthew 7, verses 21, 22, and 23? These are actually some interesting words. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreaker. Now those are some very powerful words that Jesus spoke. Earlier in this same chapter, Jesus talked about the narrow gate and the wide gate. And many of you, if you've ever read the Bible, you've heard those phrases that, that the gate to eternal damnation is wide, and that's the path that most people are taking. And the gate to heaven is a narrow gate. And there are few, Jesus said, who choose that path. So when you think about what Jesus said then, just a few verses before this one, and then in this context, it kind of helps us understand very clearly that everybody is not going to heaven. And when you think about these words, when Jesus specifically spoke them, he said, listen, I want you to hear very, 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 very carefully what I'm saying. He says, not everyone who calls on my name, everyone who says, Lord, not everybody who uses my name is going to heaven. There are some people, Jesus was saying, who are imposters. They sound good. They may look good, and they call upon the name of Christ, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to heaven. So he says, just because you've called on his name, just because you have cast out demons, just because you perform miraculous healing, just because you spoke the message of hope, none of that matters. But he said, only those who do my will will make it into heaven. Now, when I first read these verses a long, long time ago, they kind of were frightening. I mean, scary-like. Because you want to make sure. And when you think about it, there, you can't fake your way into heaven. You can't. There's no way to fake it. There are people I meet every week, every month in my hospice job. There are people in families. There are people I meet as a pastor. There are a lot of people that I meet, and I often ask them, about their relationship with Christ. And a lot of people have their testimony. They share it with me or they talk about it. And sometimes I do walk away scratching my head wondering, was it real? Meaning their experience. 
But here's the thing that I don't know. I don't know a person's heart. I, I, I don't. I, I can't read into your heart. I can't read into your mind. And there are a lot of people through the ages who I hope are not surprised when they get to heaven. And they stand before God. And they give that account of their life. And the Lord says to them, I never knew you. You were never born again. You're not my child. Depart from me. That sounds harsh, but that's going to be the reality for most people. So how can we know for sure that we are not fake, that we're playing a game or we're trying to fool ourselves or we have maybe even fooled ourselves? I want us to think about not just this, but what is a real Christian? Jesus told a parable, and, and this, if you want to write down the, where this parable comes from, it's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 13, verses 24 and the rest. It's the parable of the wheat and the tares. When Jesus told this parable, he was basically saying that he, Jesus, is sowing the seed throughout the land, throughout the world. He is sowing the gospel message. And the devil has come, and he has sown his message. And the wheat and the tares in the field are growing up together. Now, in ancient days and even modern days, wheat and the weeds, in this case, in the younger stages, guess what? They look identical. You can't tell the difference between the wheat or the weed. It's not until the harvest comes that you figure out, oh, wait, <laughs> I got a lot of weeds in the field. So in the parable Jesus said, rather than disrupting the whole field and destroying the good crop, the harvesters will separate the good from the bad at the day of harvest. And so here's the point that Jesus was making. Every single one of us needs to examine our life, our heart, our conversion story to make sure to make sure that you are going to heaven when you die, to make sure that you are okay with God. So how do we do that? What is a real Christian? Well, we're going to look at some scriptures this morning to help us figure this out. A real Christian is someone, first and foremost, who has received Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior. Basically, it means this. It means that you have looked at your life and you have evaluated your life. The Holy Spirit has convicted you and said to you, you're not right with God. Now, there are some scriptures I want to share, and we're going to tie this together in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For you are saved by grace. Many of you have heard this before. It is the grace of God that our sins have been forgiven. He says, you have been saved through grace by faith, or by grace, see, I missed up that, didn't I? You were saved by grace through faith. In other words, you said, I know that I'm a sinful person. I know I've broken God's laws. I know that I could never work hard enough or enough for God to forgive my sins, so I am saved by the goodness of God 
because his love for me was poured out on me, and I believe wholeheartedly that what Jesus did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection is all I need to be saved. It is, as Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, it is God's gift. And the next verse in Ephesians uh, 2, verse number 9 says, we are saved not from our works so that no one can boast. You see, our salvation, you can say, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior because I know I could never earn my way into heaven. There's nothing I could ever do. I am saved simply because Jesus gave me a gift I didn't deserve, and I received it by faith, and therefore I am on my way to heaven. And the next verse I want to share with you is Romans um, I'm sorry, not Romans, but yeah, Romans. Romans 10 and verse 9 and 10, which says this, If you confess, and confess means with your mouth, out loud, you say, Jesus, I am not worthy. I have broken your laws. I have sinned. And if you want to name some, that's between you and God. But you name your sins, you say your sins, and you believe in your mind and your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. He says, you will be saved. And then he added in the next verse, verse number 10, that it is with the mouth we confess, with the heart we believe. And so when we look at these two scriptures, these two passages together, we see that someone who has genuinely accepted Christ knows I could never earn eternity. I, I'm, not, I'm never going to be good enough. I can't go to church enough. I can't give enough. I can't work enough. There is nothing I can do to earn my way into heaven. I am simply saved. My sins are forgiven. When I say, Lord, Lord, I said, Lord, I can't preach a sermon I can't teach a Sunday school class. I can't put enough in the offering plate. I can't do enough good deeds to earn my way into heaven. I am bowing before a holy, righteous God who created everything and saying to this God, the God, the only God, I'm not worthy. I'm asking you to forgive me, cleanse me, wash me because of what Jesus did on the cross and what he did in the resurrection. And I believe that what he did for me is all that's needed. There's nothing I can add to it. There's nothing I can take away from it. I just believe that he did everything that was needed to be done. And I accept it and I receive it. So when you have received Christ, trusting him in his work alone, then you're on the right road. So that's how we are saved. By confessing it, turning from our sin, saying, Jesus, I'm all yours. I want us to look at another verse of Scripture. The second mark of a true Christian is someone who has the Holy Spirit living in his or her heart. See, when you are born again, when you experience new birth, the Bible says that you become a new creation. You have the old nature, and you have a new nature. Things are not the same. 
In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9, this is what we read about the Holy Spirit being within us. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh. In other words, to those who have been born again, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. So if God's Spirit is indwelling you, that is a, a physical, notable evidence marker that you've been born again. Every follower of Jesus has been recreated from within, fighting the old nature, but living in a new nature to please and honor God. Verse number 10 of Romans chapter 8 reads it this way. Waiting, waiting. I'm sorry, 16. She was right. I said 10. Sorry, Natalie. Natalie's like, I don't know what she's doing. Because I had told her, she looked at this today, and she said, you never do this. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. So, see, if you have confessed Christ as your Lord and your Savior by faith, believing that you could never earn it, you become born again. The Spirit of God then indwells you and confirms, affirms that you are legitimately a child of God. You see, the people Jesus was referring to in the Matthew 7 passage I first read, these were simply imposters. They, Jesus said, you're going to prophesy in my name. You're going to do things in my name. But he said, you never had a conversion experience. See, here's what I want us to understand today. We need to make sure that we have had, that you have had, a genuine conversion experience. That you say, I know that I was a sinner, and I ask God to forgive me of my sin, and I ask the Lord to come into my heart and to change me, and I believe it by faith. And when you said the prayer, you became born again, and you then said, you know what? God's Spirit lives within me now. I experience his presence. I experience his power. Sometimes the power and the presence of the Lord is very strong. And then there are those moments when I'm thinking, God, are you even with me today? But a real Christian, a true Christian, knows that the Spirit of God is within him or her. And so those are two ways we can know we are born again. And the third thing that I want to give you is this. It's, it, it has to do with lifestyle. A true Christian, a true Christian, a real Christian is someone whose lifestyle reflects their faith in Jesus Christ. Because you've been born again, the Spirit of God is living within you, you are in the process of a lifestyle change. You're not perfect. There is no one. We will never attain perfection here on this side of heaven. But the Spirit of God in you whispers to you and draws you to Christ and says to you, uh-uh, you ain't supposed to do that. You're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to do this. We are constantly in a spiritual struggle and a battle with the old nature and the new nature, but the Spirit of God within you is in the process of transforming you and changing you 
to become more like Jesus. So you might say this, if you don't give a hootenanny about how you live your life, you may not be saved. Now I said may. If you say, you know what, I don't care what the Bible says, I don't care what God may say about, that stuff is old and outdated, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life, then the Spirit of God may not be in you, or you may have so quenched the Spirit of God, you're in a bad place. But those who are bona fide saved, they want to change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Y'all have heard me say that several times already, haven't you? He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. When you were saved, if you were saved, for me, I was 18. It was a Saturday night around 1130, a dirt road in middle Georgia, on my knees, when I said the prayer, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. And when I said that prayer, I meant that prayer. I didn't want just to go to heaven, but I wanted God to change my life and change the direction of my life. And when I said the prayer because I meant the prayer, not because I was just saying some words to please somebody or not because I was just trying to get out of hell free card, but because I truly wanted God to change me, I can tell you for sure the Holy Spirit filled me that night. It was like, I, I don't even really know how to describe it, but it was as if the, God, the, the Lord himself poured his spirit into me from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. I physically, emotionally, and spiritually experienced the filling of, of the Holy Spirit within me that night. Now, when I do stupid stuff, let me interpret that, stupid. When I do sinful stuff, when I have willfully said, God, I ain't doing that, the Holy Spirit doesn't fill me and lead me like I need him to. Because I have made a conscious decision to say, God, I'm not doing that. And God won't have any part of sin. Now, the, the Lord's still with me, but he's not leading and empowering me. I am living in the flesh at that moment. I am succumbing to that old nature. But because I am born again, the Lord returns and says in a powerful way, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do those things. I called you to more than that. You are a new creation and the Spirit of God refills me and convicts me of my sin and my willful disregard for His Word to get me back where I need to be. But if we drift too far, we may not even have that experience. And so, 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read two verses from this same chapter. The first one is verse number 6. If we say... We have fellowship with him, Jesus. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, notice what the scripture says. We are lying and are not practicing the truth. I'm not taking this verse out of any context. You can go back and read 1 John sometime later. 
First John, if you doubt your salvation, if you wonder, am I really saved or not, read the book of 1 John. It will straighten you out. Unless you are so far from God, you are not even saved. John says, if we have fellowship with him and we are sinning, we are walking in darkness, we, re- we disregard Scripture and the way God wants us to live, he says, you are lying to yourself. Listen, I'm, I'm, this message today is to help you understand I don't want to lie to God. I don't want to lie to myself. I don't want to be one of those wheats, not wheats. I don't want to be one of those weeds who thinks I'm all right. True Christians, not only have they confessed Christ, not only is the Spirit of God indwelling them, but they have an overriding desire to become more like Jesus. The next verse I want to read is in chapter 2, verse number 4. He says, the one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Please look at that verse. If someone says, I know Jesus, I said the prayer, I'm good. And the scripture says, if you've done that and yet you don't keep the commands of the Lord, you're lying and the truth is not in you. See, that's what makes it so difficult for us on this parallel, in this world. Have you ever, just, you don't have to say it out loud. Please don't say it out loud. But have you ever looked at somebody who said, I'm a Christian, and you look at their lifestyle and you kind of think, yeah. I mean, I'm a sinner, but you give sinner a new name. We've all done it. I mean, I, I've done it. I'll, I'll be honest about it. I've done it. I met some folks, and they tell me that they know Jesus, and I'm thinking, whoo, you might be surprised when you get there, buddy. Here's the reality. I really don't know that person's heart. Only God knows their heart. You need to know your own heart. Have you been deceived? Is your conversion or was your conversion real or genuine or not? Because Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus say? But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And here, the the verse that I just read, he said that if you aren't keeping the commandments of the Lord, then you're lying to yourself. See, I, I, I want you to know with certainty, I mean, no doubt, no wavering, no question, that you are going to heaven. That's what I want you to know. But that's a decision that only you can make. I had to make my decision. There are moments in my own life when I step back and kind of ask God, am I where I need to be? Am I living the way I need to be? The greatest commandment Scripture says, Jesus reaffirmed it when he walked this earth, when asked, of 
all the commandments, what, are the, what is the greatest one? Now, he went a step further. He said, I'll tell you the top two. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and the greatest of all the commandments. And a true Christian is someone who said, Jesus, I confess my need for you. I repent of my sins. I trust you. And I know, God, the Holy Spirit is living within me. And because I've been born again, the evidence of that is there is fruit showing that I want to please my Savior. Again, we're not perfect. You know, I'm, if y'all could just spend a day with me, okay, maybe a week, and walk with me every moment. If you could sit by my bedside and if whatever dream I may have, you may think, who is he? I am a sinner saved by grace. That's what I am. There are times I struggle with stuff. But the Spirit of God says to me, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And there is conviction and and I submit that desire to God, and I struggle. Just like Paul wrote to the Roman church, the things that I ought to do, I don't do. The things that I shouldn't do, I do. He says, I'm a wretched man. Who can save me? He said, only Jesus. See, rather than us, me included, looking at others, and questioning their relationship. Every single one of us should do this today and every day going forward. Just look in the mirror. Look at your own face and ask yourself this question, God, am I bona fide? There's my word, Bobby. Am I bona fide? Is my faith real and genuine? Is it right? Am I where I need to be? Because someday we will breathe our last and we will meet our maker. And when that happens, it's too late. There are a lot of people that believe Jesus said everybody goes to heaven, but he clearly did not say that. So today I just simply want you to see what I'm sharing today, 1 John 5, 13, simply says this. John wrote, I, and this is not going to be on the screen, it's 1 John 5, 13. I've written this to you who believe in the name of Jesus so that you may know you have eternal life. John was saying not just what he wrote, but what Paul wrote and Peter wrote and James wrote, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of the biblical authors, all of Scripture has been written so that you can know, that I can know with certainty that you're right with God. You don't have to doubt. I don't want you to doubt. I want you to leave today saying, I am certain of my salvation. Now, if the flip side should be your case, 
I'm not sure. I have doubts. Maybe there's some truth. You may not be saved. If you're not saved, today is the day to let go of all that pride and say, God, it's not worth the lie. I want to make certain that today I am right with you. If you, you look in the mirror and you say, you know what, I, 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 I do believe I am saved, but I have been living life the way I wanted to, and I've kind of quenched the Spirit of God that was indwelling in me for so long, and now I'm just in a, a, just a, just a routine of religious habits and I miss the fire and the zeal that I once had, God, I'm asking you to help me repent from that so that I'm living once again in the Spirit. Maybe it's just some sin that you let creep in, and you need to deal with it. Whatever your case may be, you may be here this morning and say, I ain't ever been saved, or I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Then I'm asking you today to make that decision, to say, today I'm going to stand up and say, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to be a different person. Today is a day of decision, and I'm asking you to listen to the Spirit of God as he speaks to you today.